This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This, of course, is Cruise Control this evening. And I'm joined in the studio uh, by Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Hello, Daniel. Hello. It's so nice to see you guys in person and smell your... Body Adul. <laughs> now, he says uh, C is here in the studio. Of course, Ali is here in the studio with us. But unfortunately, he's lost his voice and can't come on air with us today. So we're going to have to battle on without him. He's going to be pushing buttons and riding the faders and doing all. Ali, can you at least just say, uh, or give us some kind of croak? I'm recovering there from we go. terrible flu. We've got a croak from Ali. Okay. Right. Okay. So um, what have we got in terms of uh, local news today? Sam Darby, Auto Connection, launched the Next Generation. Ranger Raptor 2 litre by Turbo Diesel. Yes, by Turbo Diesel, Richard, because earlier they launched the petrol version. Okay. It was the first time a pickup truck is coming with a petrol engine. Is it? Yes. But that petrol engine was very popular, but I don't think it was popular enough for them to continue pushing the market. Because why? There are a lot of people out there who mindset, pickup truck, diesel, pickup yeah. truck, diesel, you uh-huh. know? I think even in Europe. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, of course, you know, every everybody's trying to move away from diesel slowly because of all the environment issues. So I think they said, okay, let's come up with a petrol engine. It's not working out that well, I think, even though there's a back order. There's right. a back order. But I think they, they, they thought, you know, with a diesel... They can push further. Mm, mm. So here comes the diesel version, and the diesel version is actually ten thousand ringgit cheaper than the petrol version. Oh, everything else is the same in terms of the interior, the exterior, the wheels, the features, the safety, and everything else. So at a lower price, I think this is going to be just booming, just booming. So the petrol version was two hundred and fifty-nine thousand. Now this is ten thousand less at two hundred and forty-eight. They've already got pre-orders. And I think most of them are coming from durian farmers in Bento. <laughs> no, don't, don't laugh. No, no, I'm t- I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I don't laugh. Because I took a trip to Bentong, Pahang a few months ago. Uh-huh. Okay, Not to go and look for durians. You, you actually went off-road this time. I didn't go off-road. Uh-huh. I just went into the town, just look-see. You know, It was a day trip with my wife. And everywhere I looked, there were durian farmers driving raptors. Uh-huh. The previous raptors. Dorian's profitable, you know. Exactly. Right. So, what are we doing in the studio? All right, I know. <laughs> Ali, what are we doing in the studio? <laughs> okay. All right, okay. So, you say nothing else is new about it then? Nothing else is new. It's just the engine. But that's good enough to get a lot of people wanting to buy this vehicle. All right, okay. Moving on then. The uh, Mercedes AMG EQS and EQE. Now, this is good news. This mm. is good news. Because Mercedes needs to scale up their electric vehicle offering. So they brought in two new electric vehicles, which they promised some time ago. They said, you know, every time there's a new electric vehicle coming out in Europe. Fully imported, right? Fully imported because why electric vehicles are not local assembled yet. Mm. And the reason why they're not local assembling is because at the moment there's a tax incentive. Yeah. So you don't pay any taxes, no yeah. duties for importation. Why would you local assemble and incur all the costs? So it's easier just to import them completely. And when it's fully imported, it comes in very fast. Mm. That means as soon as it's launched in Europe, very quickly they do the right-hand drive version and they bring these cars in. So this is what has happened. Both these vehicles are right now in Malaysia. You can buy them straight away. Uh, do you have the prices, Richard? Uh, 798888 including 10% sales tax for the EQS 53-4-matic. That's the starting price. The EQE 53-4-matic plus starts at 649888 888 ringgit. 
including 10% sales tax. So looking at the two prices, mm. I think you're more inclined to go for the... EQS 53 because it's 798, right? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I like an almost round number. Yes, yes, uh-huh. yes. Okay, what about the specs then? Can you give us a quick rundown of some of the specs? Okay, for the EQS, we have 658 horsepower with a temporary boost to get 761, which they call race mode. Mm. And you have 950 newton meters of torque. Now, you're close to 1,000 newton meters of torque. Do we need it? You tell me. You're I don't the think expert. we need it. I just it. sit here. No, we, we don't need it, but they give it to you. And this means this car is more powerful than the Porsche Taycan. Wow. Which also means I'm sure Porsche is going to come up with a more powerful Taycan just to hit that Mercedes Benz. But it's fine. Mm. That's the game they play. Range is estimated at 571 kilometers on a full charge. Now, based on my impression of driving a lot of electric vehicles in the past, if they say 571, just take away about 5%. That's a realistic range. So about 530, 540, 550, that's very realistic. Now, on an average person, you you know, who's driving an electric car, I think that's charging the car once a week. Right. You know, and you'll make it to Penang from KL. You'll make it to Singapore from KL on one charge. Yeah. So all this is good news for people who really want to travel. But... I'd say a big but. How many Mercedes-Benz electric car drivers, luxury electric car drivers, actually take their cars overseas? I mean, outstation, sorry. Yeah, I'd imagine not many. You know, I think when they want to go outstation, they'll get their driver, yeah. get into their little MPV. Yeah, yeah. Actually, large MPV. Yeah. Old tinted. We, we, yeah, we know what you're yes, about. Yes, yes, yes. But anyway, you, you have the capability, and that's something which, you know, Mercedes-Benz is trying to sell. Well, they say here in the spec sheet, the 0 to 100 acceleration time is just... 3.4 seconds. Again, you know, mind-blowing kind of What's the Taycan? 0 to 100, roughly? Uh, 3.2. Oh, wow. Taycan is more sleek, I think. You know? yeah, yeah. Maybe it's more lightweight. So, you got fast charging, up to 200 kilowatt, uh, adding another 300 kilometers to the range, you know, in just 19 minutes. Now, if you go to the EQE, which is the slightly lower version, twin motors, maximum power output is uh, 625. Uh, you can boost it with race start to 687, but it still has 950 <laughs> newton meters of torque. <laughs> it's insane. Okay. Uh, 0 to 100, 3.3 seconds. Again, you know, really ridiculous. Both cars have a top speed of 220 kilometers an hour. That seems dangerous, Well, but also a lot of fun if yes. you were to take it on a course somewhere safe. Yes, not on the highway, yes. not on any of the tolled highways. So yeah. 220 is the top speed if you think you want to dare do it. Maximum range, 527 kilometers. So a little bit less. Yep. Yeah. So DC fast charging from 10% to 80% takes 32 minutes. Hey, that's not bad, though. So what do you do for 32 minutes? Grab a cup of coffee, right. maybe have a bagel, right. read the morning newspaper. Okay, that's what you as an expert will do. <laughs> we, we locals will go and get, you know, the free water dispenser. Right, okay. okay. Sit in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. play with our smartphone uh-huh. until it runs oh, out of battery. I'd, I'd certainly play with the smartphone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah. Okay. Because, you know, we can't afford a $10 coffee and $20 bagel. Hey, I see you drinking coffee every day. You're yeah, updating it, on your Facebook. <laughs> so you don't tell free. me you don't drink coffee. It's free. All right, okay. When it's free, I drink it. At you, the rest area, I have to buy. Right. You think I wouldn't take free coffee if I'm offered it? Of course I would. Okay, so that's the local launches. Uh, when we move on to global, we've got the uh, Volvo EX30, revealed over in Europe, of course. Now, they want to introduce more affordable electric vehicles while still retaining their brand value. And this week, uh, they revealed their most compact and affordable electric vehicle yet, the Volvo EX30. What can you tell us about this? Okay, before that, I want to ask you, what do you think of its looks? I'd like it. You like it? Yeah, I do. You know, Volvo has hit 
the design language perfectly. Yes. If you look at the C40, the XC40, yes, the XC60 and the XC90 are nice. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the new EX90 that's coming is basically a larger version of this EX30. But when you look at this, you suddenly realize that the European car manufacturers, and I'll also say the Japanese, because later we're coming to a vehicle from Japan, they have realized that people... Most people don't need large SUVs anymore. Mm, mm. That whole trend of having large SUVs before is slowly diminishing, I'm thinking. Mm. But maybe at that time, people wanted to show how much money they have. Is it that, or is it because these designers and manufacturers have decided that battery prices are expensive, and so therefore they've reduced the size of the vehicle? Mm. Good point. Mm. I didn't think of that. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. But also because I think people are not eating as much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all you need is a compact crossover, compact SUV. I think it looks really attractive. Um, I'm going to guesstimate the price. Eh? Go on, man. Uh, so based on the European asking price and adding a little bit of you know transportation, logistics, and everything else, I think just below two hundred thousand ringgit. And that would be an attractive yes, price. Yes, based, based on the current tax-free yeah. thing. So for an electric vehicle, a Volvo, about 200,000 ringgit. Because in Europe, it's selling for 177,000 ringgit. Right. So you have to add logistics and yeah. everything else. So I think about 200,000, fair, fair price to pay for a Volvo. I'm going to nip in at around 220, I think. Okay, because, you know... Do you want to put a little bit of just a margin? Spring. Yeah, they'll, they'll put a bit of a margin on it. Yeah. Put a bit of premiumness yeah. in it. You heard it here first. Yes, you heard it. All right. Well, you mentioned that we've been uh, looking at a, a Japanese uh, car. Mm. Um, now we've got the Honda Elevate. The global bookings are due to open over in July. Honda Cars India has unveiled the highly anticipated Honda Elevate, an all-new mid-size SUV. It will be launched first in India and then another global market soon after. And bookings for the Honda Elevate will commence officially in July. Tell us a bit more. Okay. This was a major surprise. Caught me off guard. I only noticed about this car on Twitter. Are you? Okay. Because... You're on Twitter? Yes, I'm on Twitter. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just going to have a look. Just in a minute. I'll come back to you about that later. Anyway, carry on, please. Okay. So, I I saw Honda India promoting this vehicle, but they were promoting it in Partial pictures of the vehicle, you know, it's a little like the, the headlamp, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So in my mind, I thought, oh, it's a WRV, but called the Elevate for Indian market. And then I said, okay, nothing major, like, you know, it's just a different naming procedure and that's fine and all that. But when they finally did the unveiling a week ago, it's not the Honda WRV. Mm. It's a brand new vehicle, a brand new model, and it sits between the WRV and the HRV. Uh-huh. Confusing, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm confused and I'm thinking, why are they doing this? Very simple. Because the market now is growing for these compact vehicles, like we said, because everybody's eating less. So, an Elevate is basically, for certain markets, people might say, the WRE, maybe a little bit too small. I want something a little bit bigger. And also, if you look into the Indian auto market, which is booming right now, they've got a lot of vehicles that we don't get. Like Renaults, Skodas, Seats, Volkswagen, little compact SUVs. Like, say, for example, the Volkswagen T-Roc. Then you got the Hyundai Creta, which just came here. So you have all these little, you know, compact SUVs doing really well there. And these brands are targeting India because India is growing in that segment. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think the reason for this global unveiling in India is because they know, with the Honda badge, with everything that is going on with Honda India doing so well. 
they will get a huge market share. Now, doing the global launch there means right-hand drive ready, car is also ready for the rest of Asia. Because whatever is produced in India can be adapted to Indonesia, Thailand, and Malaysia makes sense, makes very sense. easily. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you don't have to really think about you know changing some specs or features or anything like that. Even right down to tire type and, and rim size and all can just completely come in straight. So by doing this, I don't know whether it's coming to Malaysia this year or next year because the WRV's bookings have just opened. We'll be talking about it in a little while. So if you're thinking of, you know, Elevating your lifestyle oh, very good. to a crossover, uh-huh. maybe you should work and wait for the Honda Elevate. Okay. Uh, do we know a price, roughly? Okay. Um, quite confusing because in India, the price is a little bit, uh, I would say, reasonable. It's using the same engine as the Honda WRV. The footprint is slightly larger. Slightly, very little bit changes, but it comes with like sunroof. It's got a more pronounced grill in, up front. Mm. It has the front face of a BMW X7. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah, you know that very slim lights yeah. right on top. Yeah, the almost almost clamshell type of type of uh, bonnet. The big pronounced grill. It's a huge grill. Yes. It, yeah, and it's a small car. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is their way of saying it. Listen, we're going to we're going to we're going to compete directly with with the Europeans. Of course, like I mentioned earlier, you got the Kia Seltos, the Maruti Grand Vitara, the Skoda Kushkai, the Volkswagen Tiguan, the MG Astro. All these are their competitors in India. These cars are not being sold here right now. Mm. Things could change. Mm. So if something like this comes to Malaysia. Put aside what Honda has to offer, the direct competitor realistically will be the Toyota Corolla Cross. Okay. Which is doing very well. All right. Hold that thought then, folks. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, our discussion. Will Chinese car brands dominate the local market? We're seeing more Chinese car brands entering the local market. We're going to discuss that. Of course, we've been talking about this on and off in one way or another for the past few weeks. Anyway, you are, of course, tuned in to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Welcome back to Cruise Control. On the mic with me here in the studio, of course, is Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Uh, you might hear him in the background croaking every now and again. It's Ali Johan. Say hello, Ali. Good evening. There we go. Uh, right, so I mentioned just before the break, of course, uh, more Chinese car brands entering the local market. Um, are we potentially worried that they might dominate this market, Daniel? Yes. Yes? Yes. Oh, wow. You heard it here first. Okay. (laughs) On BFM Cruise Control. All right, let's hear it then. I think, and it's going to worry a lot of people, I think the Chinese brands are going to make a big push into Malaysia. Not because it's just Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand as well. Simply because these three countries Mm. are taking a very, very active effort into electrification. And right now, only the Chinese brands, the Chinese car manufacturers, can give the price to challenge our exchange rate. So we're looking at uh, companies like BYD, uh, GWM. Yes. And of course, Cherry also. Now, Cherry, uh, launching a few cars end of this month, they are not electric cars. Both cars are not electric cars. Both SUVs, sorry, are not electric because they say not yet. Uh Not yet because they're putting up a factory in in, uh, Inocom. 
they're putting an extension, a new factory down there. So they've also got a factory in Thailand and a factory in Indonesia. Right. So they are taking this region very seriously. Now, maybe the three factories are going to swap. Like one factory will do electric vehicles, one factory will do you know plug-in hybrids, one factory will just do pure petrol cars because there's still a big demand for petrol-driven yeah. vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at it as Cherry, BYD, Great Wall, Big push, big push. Now, that's only three brands. Now, we also got Neta V that's just come in. We've got Haval that's going to make a big move. They've already done a big move in Indonesia and Thailand. They're doing very well. I was in Bangkok recently. The number of Havals I saw on the road outstripped, I think, even GM. And then you got MG. MG is now, sorry. Yeah, I know. It's no longer a British company. Yes, yes, yes. It's a company now based uh-huh. in China. Uh-huh. Yes, I know. Yeah. And they're making electric cars. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, in Thailand also, you see their showrooms all over Bangkok. You see their cars all over Bangkok. So that means their move to Malaysia is pretty soon. Mm. They've been they've been teasing about coming to Malaysia. The so-called franchise holder has held back for some reason. I don't know why. But... There is news that they're going to make a real push right now because Thailand is doing so well and they're producing the cars in Thailand. Mm. So with all this happening, can you imagine, we're talking about five, six big brands. Now, these brands are big in China, in South America, in the Middle East, and also in South Africa. It just means... Southeast Asia is the next market. Do you think they're, they're kind of holding off a little bit until they see our electrification network kind of be established a little bit better? True, because these brands will reach the common men. Right. People like Ali and me. Yeah, yeah. and me. Uh? And me. Uh? <laughs> I'm see? having a free coffee as well, remember? <laughs> so for them to reach the common man means uh-huh. the common man lives where? In a condominium. Right. In a housing estate. Uh do we have enough charging infrastructure for these locations, mm-hmm. especially in older condominiums, mm-hmm. especially in you know uh, high density condominiums? I mean, now if you go to say Gomba, Stapa, uh, Cheras, Sentul, you see the number of condominiums that are already up, yeah. already occupied. Yeah. Can you put a charging station there? No, right? Because the infrastructure is already done. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to the condo management to do it? They'll say no, not my problem. That, those condos have you know three hundred, four hundred, five hundred people living there. If 50 people say they want to use electric cars, where are they going to charge? Right. Can they all go out to public charging? Not so easy because a lot of times you want to charge at night when you're home sleeping. Can you put your own charging station at your condo? Not possible. Mm. You can buy the wall box, mm. but to pull the cable, you have to talk to the condo management. You have yeah. to talk to all the condo people. They'll say, not my car yeah, because there's only 50 against, say, 300. Yeah. So this is one big issue. And I've talked to some... Um, um, uh, companies who have come into Malaysia to put up charging stations. This is one of the biggest obstacles they have. If to put it up on a public road, to put it up in a rest area, no issue. Because you, you only talk to one person or two persons mm. or even three or four authorities. But when you talk to a condo, it's very difficult. If you go to a housing estate that's densely populated, you know, which which a lot of the older part of KL is, yeah. These people actually have money to buy an electric car right now, 140, 150, you know, like Neta is 90,000, they can buy. But can they charge at home? You might say, okay, they can plug in and just do it. Now, on one street, I think you know this from UK also, on one street, if one guy is having an electric car, fine. Two, fine. If you have 10 people, it becomes difficult. Yes. Because at night, everybody's got their air conditioning running, their laptops. You know, they're charging their handphones, they're boiling water, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> electrical appliances are all being used. So the juice that is coming from TNB might not be enough. 
Is TNB going to upgrade all these places? Takes time, takes money. Who's going to pay for it? Mm, mm. You know, so all these considerations, I think the Chinese manufacturer is saying, okay, tax-free, yes, we can come in, but for how long? Mm. So the game is up. And, you know, I think the the, the, the Ministry of uh, uh, International Trade and MOF and everything will, will extend the free tax date for another one or two years. There's rumors that they're actually looking into it because there's not enough time to do this. If you extend it, you're going to get more people bringing in electric cars. Not only the, the the Chinese, by then the Japanese will have their electric cars ready. You know? But and doesn't it also give our local players time to arguably play catch-up? Local players, you mean Purdue and Proton? Well, Proton's technology is coming from China, so mm. there's no issue. Mm. Purdue's technology is coming from Japan. Mm. They've already got a partnership now to build a... The news just came out, the electric uh, compact van. Mm. Okay? So that could be the next Rusa. Mm. I don't mm. know if you know the Perdua Rusa. Yeah, yeah. was a van that was here many years ago. Uh, Perdua can say, okay, I'll take that in, rebadge it, you know, re-modify it, and then put it on the road mm. as an electric compact little van. You know, something for, you know, lower middle class people like me and Ali to buy. But, <laughs> again, where are they going to charge? Ali. Speaking of the rapid growth of Thailand and Indonesia, how are they coping with this charging facility problem or shortage? And when you talk about um, high-density residentials especially, they have more high-density yes, living. Yes, yes. But from my impression, I mean, from what I read coming out of Thailand and Indonesia, they're moving very fast. Maybe because also they don't have so much... Um, how you say, subsidy on electricity. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of subsidy. Yeah. Their subsidy is a lot less. So maybe they can push a little bit harder. Uh, the other thing is also, I think, um, you know, we have a population of 30-odd million. I'm talking about Malaysians, not foreigners, not expats who earn, you know, big salaries. <laughs> <laughs> so, you so see, we've been safe before because we've been on a away. different... Away. Yeah, now we're in the same, same studio. Room, yeah. <laughs> You've got to be careful, my friend. <laughs> so, so... In, if we think about it, we are like 30-odd million. And yeah. then you got Indonesia, which is like, what, 300 million? Mm. Yeah. Something like that. That's 10, 10 times more. you got you got Thailand, which is like 100 over million. So, again, a big number. When you got a bigger number, you got more millionaires. you got you got much more economies of scale. you got bigger corporations. I mean, you go and see their malls. Their malls are huge. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're rich. They've got more super rich than we have. So, I think in terms of investment, you can reach... A group of people, like say now we want to reach, say, 10,000 electric car owners. Possible. But you want to reach 100,000 electric car owners, maybe it's going to be difficult. Mm. For them to reach 100 electric car owners is not difficult because of the population yeah. size. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, that kind of scale, maybe for now, they can move fast forward. Mm. I don't think they can keep the momentum. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you go to the Klang Valley Mall and you see two charging bays yeah. most yeah, of the time. Sure. Yeah, really more. Yes. So, again, you know, it's the education, the common sense and everything else. Same problem in Indonesia and Thailand, mm. okay? So, there's still a lot of these problems. And, and I think for the common man, it's going to be difficult for each of these countries. Mm. So, how far can we go? I don't know. Yeah. All right. But taking it back to Chinese companies coming mm. into our local market, that's already imminent. You know, it's like yes. it's going to happen soon. Yes. And, you know, BYD, you know, they launched the Auto 3, 2,000 units, Great Wall, Oracat. More than a thousand units, and now BYD is about to launch another car, oh, another electric car. Mm. So that's coming in a couple of months' time, and and before the end of the year, they'll have three models in our country. Now, if they're moving that fast, can you imagine the take-up rate? If you if you go to any BYD showroom right now, there's always people in there. Yeah, 
any time of the day, as as long as it's open, there are people in there because why? The interest is very high. Same with Aura. Okay, uh, let's wrap up for this segment then. Uh, we're going to come back, of course. We do have a car review. Uh, Daniel's review of the Honda WRV. Were you, where were you in Thailand for this? Was it? Yes, Bangkok to Pattaya and back. Oh wow, not too bad at all. That. Eh? <sighs> I wish I had a job like his. Mm. We'll be right back after these messages here on Cruise Control BFM eighty nine point nine. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name's Rich Bradbury. I'm joined in the studio by Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. I've not seen him for a while. He's getting a bit argumentative. Might have to punch him in the nose a little bit later on, but I'm only kidding. Of course, we love him. And uh, over here is Ali Johan, of course. You might hear him croaking in the background every now and again, chiming in. Right, this uh, all-new Honda crossover then, Daniel. WRV, much more interesting and appealing over its uh, super popular HRV, in our opinion, you think? You know... Oh. First impression, first impression. Uh, I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, I've seen pictures of it before I went to Bangkok. Uh, looking at the pictures, oh, nice, you know, sort of evergreen shape. And then I thought, you know, the design was 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 tickling me and saying, you know, it looks familiar. It looks familiar, but I couldn't catch what it looked like. You know, until I arrived in Bangkok, got to the hotel, the car was right in front. I said, hey, this looks like a Volvo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You guys have seen the pictures. What yeah, do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. But not not the current EX30 that just we talked about. I'm talking about the XC40. Mm-hmm. Looks very much like the XC40. But this car, this SUV, this crossover is not big. Okay. Here's the magical thing. It's really compact. And when I say really compact, I'm talking Perdua Ativa size. You see, when I first saw this, it reminded me of a Perdua Ativa. Yes. Yeah. Nice, simple, boxy, yeah. evergreen. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's another well, that, great that, word. That's a new trending term, is it? Now? Yes, okay. evergreen, oh, okay. evergreen. People like to use the word lifestyle. I use the word evergreen. Ah, okay. So it looks very purposeful. Again, that Tonka toy look. You know, small, big wheels, and I liked it immediately. I liked it immediately from the word go. Simply because this is a design that will not fade away. Mm. This is a design that will last longer than the lifespan of the vehicle. So. I can imagine even 10 years from now driving this vehicle, as long as you've got fresh paint on it, nice wheels on it, it won't look dated. All right. Okay, so that's the first impression. I liked it. Number two, I got into the vehicle and I loved it. And I'll tell you why. Look at the interior pictures. You've got nice, almost bucket-like seats in it. You've got a nice, thick-rimmed steering wheel. And very important for an old man like me, you've got a traditional meter cluster with a digital, digital interface. Okay, right, we like that. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, yeah. like old men like me, we still see the traditional, you know, yeah. dials going, yeah. digital interface, fantastic, we love it. Best of both worlds. Yes. And the third thing that said, seal the deal, basically seal the deal, I said, you know, if I got money, if I got richer salary, this is what I want to buy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, the screen is incorporated into the center console. It's huh. not sticking out. Remember, we always talk about, I always say at some point, why is the screen sticking yeah, out? Why yeah, is the screen sticking yeah. out? Why is it above? Why is it at the eye line of the mm-hmm. dashboard? This is underneath the air vents. Okay. But still high enough for you to get a good look at what you want to do. Like changing your radio station. Yes. And okay. Yes. Of course, it's still touchscreen, which, you know, we old men, we like buttons, but I can, I can, I can work with this. Get into the car. Now, here's the tricky part. Lah. 
if you are driving Richard, because mm. you're a tall, muscular guy, another version of you can't sit at the back. Oh, because you're going to scoot all the way back? Yeah. Right. Now, if I'm driving, another version of me can sit at the back. Mm. So it's a little bit tight. It's a small vehicle. Don't kid yourself into thinking it's as big as a Volvo. No, it's a small vehicle. Now, the Perdua Ativa seems to be slightly bigger in cabin space. Because I came back and had a look at my, my neighbor's Perdua Ativa, slightly bigger. So this is a little bit of the negative point of this WRV. But three people at the back, my size, three people at the back, a bit tight because we've got Nasikanda bellies. We are still okay. Three of Ali, breezing, breezing, slim man like him, you know, world-class runner and everything else. <laughs> so, problem with the WRV is you can't get basketball players like you inside in terms of five. So, who's it, who's it aimed at then? Who, who's its ideal market? Okay, uh, they gathered a whole bunch of scenarios. I can agree with it. Single people. Ah. Single people, young adults. Right. Um, retired couple. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, Retired yeah. couple, perfect. Because why? Easy to get in and out, slightly higher, nice roof line, clear view out, simple design, easy to park because it's a compact size. That idea of like it being analog and digital as well. Exactly. You right, know, older yeah. people like me, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire soon. Yeah. And then the best part, a young couple with maybe a child or two kids. Yeah. Now, in terms of luggage space, you open the boot. The best part of this vehicle is the boot space. It's small, but it's deep. Right. So it's like a little, like, like a little tree. So why I like that is because when I go to the supermarket shopping today, I don't bring back plastic bags. I buy the stuff, I bring in the trolley, and I load it into my boot. So my boot has a perpetual, um, uh, what do you call, uh, like a plastic box. Yep. With this car, with WRV, I don't need the plastic box. Uh-huh. I can just load everything in. It's not going to fly around, you know, because it's, it's like a tree. Yeah. I come back, I unload it. So I save on plastic bag. I'm environmentally conscious. So would you say then that this is like the, this, the next step up from the first car, perhaps? Probably. Right. Probably. I can see a well-to-do family buying it for their kids right. to go to college. Right, right. Because, right. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share the price with you later. That's number one. Number two, it's using a tried and tested 1.5 litre engine. Mm. Now, when I say tried and tested, it's it's almost the engine, the, uh, you know, the similar engine to the Honda BRV. Now, if you understand what the BRV was, it was a seven-seater. It was like a compact um, MPV yeah. crossover kind of thing. It was a very funky design. Now, if the BRV with seven people can go up the hilltop resort, I'm not going to mention the resorts, this should be no problem at all. Yeah. So you got an inline four sixteen valve Dodge IV Tech engine, one four nine seven cc, which is one point five CVT automatic gearbox, a hundred and nineteen horsepower. It's not fantastic horsepower. It's not meant to be a you know a racer or a high speed cruiser. Hundred and forty five newton meters of torque, which is more than enough. Now. We took it for a drive. Of course, uh, we, we stayed on slightly the outskirts of Bangkok. So immediately as we, we started our drive to Pattaya, we got into the you know the not-so-crowded roads. Inner city driving was fantastic. Easy maneuver inside and out because it's small, it's compact, it's sitting a bit higher. You can see well outside. Um, I like the steering feel. I like the suspension feel. Uh, it's not a performance vehicle. You can't compare it to a CRV, like a performance SUV or, or something bigger, like, mm. a, like a, a Honda Civic or whatever. This mm. is something simple, straightforward, but comfortable. Mm. Very, very comfortable. So once we got on the highway, we took our toll. 
I accelerate it hard. Now, if you accelerate, don't expect it to do zero to 105 seconds. It's not an electric vehicle. It will take its time, but it takes its time in a very nice pace. It's reasonable. There were three adults in the vehicle with our luggage because we were going to Pattaya to stay at night. So it did well. We took it up to 150 kilometers an hour, which is not allowed, but we wanted to see how good high speed, noise, vibration, handling. Very good. Very good. It did not waver, it did not tram line, it did not feel unsafe, it drove very nicely. Hardly any wind noise. You do get some engine noise coming to the cabin, but this this um, segment of vehicles, they're all the same. Once you go past 100, 110, 120, you do get engine noise coming in, which is not a big deal. Mm. People have learned to live with mm. it. You don't get tire raw coming in, mm. which is very irritating, you know? So up to 150, we're fine. We reached Pattaya safely. The next day, we drove down to Rayong, drove on the back roads. Um, basically, a very good all-rounder. I could see myself living with this car if I was retired with a bit of money. You know What didn't you like about it? If I were to buy the vehicle, if I were to buy the vehicle, the first thing I'll do is I'll upgrade the speaker system. Oh, The infotainment system is fine, but the speaker system, because I like, I like my music. I like to listen to a bit of Def Leppard. You know, uh-huh. once in a while, I like to listen to a bit of Chaka Khan, uh-huh. Anita Baker. Uh-huh. So I've got varied music range. So in this vehicle, of course, it's nice. It's not great. But that's the case with all vehicles in this price segment. Right. So I'll change the speakers. To find another thing that I didn't like about it, pretty hard to find another thing. Huh. It's, it's a great all-rounder. It's a great all-rounder. You've it's, not given the price yet. Yeah. So now I'll say this, okay? Uh-huh. I wrote a review this morning and I put it up and I'm sure... After reading the review, the 46,000 Malaysians who bought the HRV might be a little bit upset with me mm. because the HRV is more expensive. I'm not saying this is better than the HRV, but I think a lot of people who bought the HRV, if they went into a Honda showroom next month and saw this, they'll say, Alaman, I should have waited for this. Lah. You know, because it's just so much nicer. Mm. Yes, the HRV has got more room, it's sitting up a bit higher. I think this is better than the HRV. Oh. And here's the best part. Uh-huh. My guesstimate, you heard it here first, for the selling price will be 118,000 ringgit. And that's for the top top version? Because they are launching the top version first, and then later they'll drill down to the, the base model. They're learning from Apple, huh? Yes. Uh, yes. I you see. start with the top model first. Uh-huh. So if you compare with HRV, that's about a 20-odd thousand ringgit difference. Yeah, yeah. You know, over a nine-year loan, someone might say, doesn't matter. Now, other people might say, eh, Ativa, Hwama, Chunli, and all that. You can't compare a local Malaysian car. You can't compare with a Proton X50. These are local Malaysian cars, different tax structure, different incentives, everything else. But if you compare with what else is in the market, like the Hyundai Kona, which is slightly bigger, okay, then you might say, hey, maybe, eh? I can walk away with this better. Okay. Thank you very much for that, Anil. Thank you for having me in the studio. Absolute pleasure. Folks, of course, we've come to the end of Cruise Control for this week, a show in three parts. We started off with uh, some news. We had the Ford Ranger Diesel, of course, the Mercedes EQE and EQS, Volvo EX30 into the Honda Elevate. Then we moved on to a bit of a discussion about whether or not the Chinese car brands will dominate the local market. And, of course, wrapping up with that review, the Honda WRV. My name is Rich Bradbury on behalf of Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and of course <laughs> Ali Johan. This has been Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9.
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.